Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey friends, this is Drew Powell, Butch Gilzine from Fox's Gotham. You're listening to Next Level Radio. Welcome to issue 30 of DC Primetime with our week number two of Gotham, uh, season three, episode two. Uh, and right before, man, we are just a week away. Not even, less than a week away, just days away. At the time I know, uh, that's crazy. From Flash and Arrow returning, man, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm totally. so, so stoked. Um, I know we have said this in the past. Oh, hold on, hold on. Why don't you introduce yourself first? Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to, but... Uh, so. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure where you were going to go, because we I'm sure you're kind of riding a high today. I am. I'm riding very high, but I was going to say something else. But you're right. Uh, I am from the, the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from Captain Crew, I'm Rob Martin. And now back to what I've said before. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. No, no, it's fine. Um, we've said this before, that we're going to keep episodes or issues really short, uh, it's very true in this case because uh, Rob has plans after this. I am just coming back from Walker Stalker Comic Con in Philadelphia. Uh, my throat is killing me and I'm exhausted. So I want to kind of get some rest. But you're absolutely right. I'm riding high. Uh, we didn't say this last week because we didn't know this yet last week. Uh, but Walker Stalker actually asked me to moderate a panel this week at the convention, this weekend at the convention. And my very first panel, it went com- totally awesome. They've already invited me back to moderate more if I'm willing to make the trip down to Atlanta. But uh, the guest list for Atlanta is amazing because it is a ton of people from these DC shows. So because it's a heroes and villains, not a Walker Stalker. So if I go down to Atlanta to moderate panels, there's good chances we're going to have a ton of great audio to play uh, for the podcast in the near future. So especially because I think at that point, the shows will be getting ready to go on break. Yeah, that's so true. It's perfect filler for while we're on break, which is great. <clears throat> so apologies. Uh, this is going to be a relatively shorter episode. Uh, we're going to live up to it this time. Yeah, actually, we really will. So I apologize. <laughs> this is going to probably be, I, I can't imagine, any more than 45 minutes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah I mean, uh, but like I said, there's not a ton to talk about this week. News was pretty light. Uh, no video games to talk about. And, I, you know, I apologize. I think I went back and listened to the last last week's when we were trying to go through, you know, uh, the Batman Telltale. And it was just, we're still trying to figure out how best to handle, I think reviews of stuff like that because it's kind of tricky especially where it's kind of almost a choose your own adventure without us talking about the entire episode you know yeah. bit moment by moment but um like i said we still hope that you uh give that game a chance and uh, oh, absolutely check it out because it's a lot of fun yeah it definitely is uh but as we had mentioned we um we have gotham this week season three episode two uh i will say as a quick side note, I was hanging out with Drew Powell again this weekend because uh, he is a 
super awesome guy. Not only hanging out with, but like outside, inside the con, but outside the con this time too, which was really cool. Uh, and we are definitely going to have him on the podcast. He has confirmed it firsthand in person. Uh, he's looking forward to coming on. So we're going to, he also told me too, um, the next four episodes of Gotham, this is something kind of inside information for everybody else. He said the next four episodes of Gotham are amazing. So granted, that's coming from somebody who's on the show, but he's a pretty straightforward guy. So if he's saying this, I believe it. Well, I know the next episode that we're looking at is the introduction of Mad Hatter. Yes. So, so that's probably a good reason why they're, they're going to be. It's, I have a feeling it's ramping up. And, you know, with that, let's, let's dive into uh, the bullet points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, DC bullet points where we give our each episode a three, one of three point rating uh, being sidekick, hero or legend. So this was Mad City Burn the Witch. Uh, we'll do the synopsis when we go into the Secret Origins, but what would you give this one, Rob? I am going to go Hero. Um, and actually, I was kind of close to a legend on this one. Or not legend, um, sorry, uh, a sidekick. This is, I think, the first episode in a while that just really didn't grip me. I mean, there were some bigger things that did indeed happen, but for the most part, I- I'm, I'm going to say it's it's a very low-tier hero in my book. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, but I'm giving it a mid- uh, hero as on my end, just because I wasn't super disappointed. I thought there were some really cool aspects to this episode, but you're right. There was nothing that absolutely like gripped me from the beginning. Right. It was, it felt like a lot of small moments all happening at this episode and it not even in the way of like setup. It was just small moment after small moment after small moment. Um, you know, it wasn't like anything like we got with the premiere, which was a lot of setup. I mean, it was solid setup, but it was set up, um, uh, you know, we we got to see a couple people that I wanted to see, and I felt like we didn't see a lot of much of anything, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but let's go into the Secret Origins portion where we actually break down the episode a little bit further and we review as to why we're giving the episode this rating. Uh, as I had mentioned, Man City burned the witch. Uh, the synopsis, Fish Mooney takes matters into her own hands to locate Hugo Strange, forcing Gordon to reluctantly team up with a journalist, Vicky, Va- uh, Vicky Vale, to find her penguin rises in popularity after criticizing the work of the GCPD and Bruce's investigation of the court of owls is compromised. Meanwhile, Ivy pepper is reintroduced into Gotham. Um, I mean, granted we're still very early on in the season, so there's still a lot of setup moments. Uh, I always give that at least like the first three episodes of the season. So that's why I give it a mid hero. I'm giving it a little bit of leeway. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, if if this was me giving it, putting a score on this, I'd probably go with a four because it was they're set up there, but it was very slow set up. Like, I have a feeling this is going to take some time to play out at all. Yes. You know, um, but I will say one thing I noticed. Uh, it, it still has Jada Pickett Smith listed as special guest star. Yeah, she's I'm, not a full mo- member of the cast this season. So right. I'm, and I'm, it's it's the same as B.D. Wong. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of, but we already know BD Wong is not is in a very limited number of episodes this season. I'm kind of hoping the same thing with with Fish Mooney. I would assume so. I mean, and you know, let's. I know we usually do this, you know, the episodes kind of in order, but let's get to the, that that big talking point at least as far as Fish. Um, you know, the whole episode you're seeing her deal with as Cobblepot's mentioning and referring to all the people that went through Indian Hill as the monsters. Um, her kind of leading her pack of experiments that are that have broken free of Arkham and Indian Hill. 
And we get a lot of fish in this episode. And I got to say, I will say this. This is one of the few times that she's been in the show that she didn't drive me nuts. Um, She was there. I mean, she didn't have feel like she had a lot of impact until kind of the end. She did kind of share a big moment. And I think it was one of the most human moments we've seen from her character. Yes. Um, And I got to give credit to that. It was nice to see them do that. But like they left this moment with between her and Penguin where, you know, she kind of said, you know, he brings up the question and he's like, I, it's been killing me since, you know, the finale of season two. You had a moment to kill me. Why did you not? It's been keeping me up at night. I can't shake this thought. And her idea was she felt like she created something amazing with him. It was he was always hers in her mind. And the, what she put him through made him who he is now. And it was I can't kill one of my creations as strange as standing you know, next to her. It's that same mindset that he had with her. So it was this interesting moment between them and where you don't expect to see this happen, but Cobblepot's like a go and never come back. Yes. And that's a hopefully a moment that I think we all agree with. Please go and don't come back. Well, I think that I think we're actually n- probably not going to see fish for a while. I, I think we will see her near the end of the season, but I don't think we're going to see her for some time. Yeah, I think there, I think there's going to be a good break. I wouldn't be surprised if we're not going to see her show up again until midseason. I would assume so. My um, my guess is we'll see her maybe right before the midseason break. Um, this gives them time to do some off-screen stuff with Strange, maybe finding a way to cure some of the experiments, at least the ones that are going to become important yes. uh, into the Batman mythos, where maybe you'll see what that kind of early version of Man-Bat was. Maybe that is indeed Dr. Curtis Langstrom. We've never been given names to any of them. Um, they've always just kind of been there in the background. Um, and I still think that big, huge, tall, lumbering guy that we saw with the scales, we see him in a couple of sequences in the, as the GCPD comes down upon the mansion, uh, where I still think that was, or not the mansion, but the, the place where Fish and the, her, the bank. her cronies yeah, the, yeah. were holding up, where we did see this big, tall, lumbering dude yet again with a couple green scales on him. My guess is that still is Killer Croc, yeah, not that abomination, but who knows? We, yeah. we really have no idea because they've never named any of these characters. I will say, though, I will say, though, while you're right, it was easier to tolerate fish a little bit more in this episode, uh, which is kind of strange to say, because I really don't want to have to say, like, a couple episodes down the road, we're like, oh, my God, I love Fish Mooney now. It's not going to happen. Tolerate does not mean like. No, (laughs) there was one moment in this show, in this episode, where I was like, oh, dear God, make it stop. Um, it's when she first walks into the mansion and she sees Fish Mooney, the line, you're going to fix me, daddy. I was like, oh, God. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Stop. That was just like, please don't just, yeah, knock just, this shit off. Yeah, please stop this overacting. Like, it's, like, it's, I hate it. I think if you walked into the room when that scene happened, you would have heard my eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. It, that, that was a very audible eye roll for me. Like, it was like you heard things just grinding in my head as my eyes were like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Because it was like one of those moments where I heard her say that and I was just like, what? And I'm like, Stop. yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, but I mean, for the rest of the episode, again, she was very tolerable. And, she was. And she had, like I said, I think her first real moment in this show at the end of the episode. And it was a nice moment. But, you know, beyond that scene. You know, you see the Valerie Vale and Jim Gordon story play out, and I'm like, is Gordon going to fuck everybody in the show? I feel like he is at this point. Come on, man. It's season three. He needs his I third know. girlfriend. I know. Seriously. But, I mean, that was – drove me a little – I mean, that 
plot thread too of him and her at the end of the episode. And of course, as they do this, we get this very over-processed shot of Lee coming off of a train. And I'm like, I'm like, is this? It looks like they were trying to like invoke Gone with the Wind. Oh, exactly. That's exactly what they were going. And I'm like, come on. I mean, like you know, like you could see all these moments coming. Um, it, was, it was the whole like we just saw the broken Gordon. Now let's play the love of his life, right? You know, and it's that's exactly what it was. The the woman coming off the train through the fog. Um, it, oh my god, it was so cheesy. Yeah, it, it was I mean, just that, the way they shot that, the CG background to it, the everything about that shot at the end of the episode was just horrendous. Yeah, uh, but you know, like it was, it's. It was melodrama for melodrama's sake when they the way that they did that. Not I'm not putting it past the show to do that. You know, it, it, we've seen plenty of those moments since the show started, uh, but that sequence specifically looked the most out of place moment I've ever seen in the show yet. Um, so I gotta really, I like I said, that was a big docking point. Even for a 30 second shot, it was just like, really, guys, come on, you can do better than this. I know you can do better than this. Yeah. Um, um, I think. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but I think we should probably talk about one of the big kickoff points is the first time we really see the Court of Owls in this uh, in this series. So yes, far. Uh, Bruce, we we see he was kidnapped at the end of the first episode. So we now see him sitting in the I guess it's a conference room of sorts or maybe even a dining hall of, of something uh, where he is facing. I can't remember the woman's name. Uh, um, she I don't think she even gave her name. I think it's uh, Catherine. I think she does. I think, give it, a name. I think it was Catherine. I yeah. think you're right. Um, um, but yes. no full name. Um, and, you know, obviously she's wearing the, the court mask, but not a lot happened here. I was expecting a lot more from this. No, agreed. And it's it was almost like it, it, it was almost like it was a scene that played out purposely written so that they didn't have to touch on the court of owls for a while. Yeah, it's you kind know? of like, hey, we're here. We're in the background of things. That's it. And it's, one of the a, things, it's a temporary write-off. Right. And one of the things I have to ask you, because I watched this scene, and I think maybe mentally I missed it. I didn't get a chance to go back to it. They reach an agreement that Bruce is going to stop looking into the death of his parents and the corporation and his company in exchange for what exactly? I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I've watched that scene twice, and I still had the same thought by the end of the scene. I know we know that Bruce's half is that he's not going to investigate into the court of owls and he's not going to investigate in the murder of his parents. But what does Bruce get out of it? Uh, yeah. Other than to survive, the, maybe? That was I the don't one know. question that I had. I'm like, it's like they're talking about this big arrangement and you hear Alfred and Bruce talk about it. He's like, yep, you know, I met them and uh, we reached an agreement. And I'm like, about what? And I, my guess, I think it, is, it was because the way it was written seemed very off. Like, it felt like there was a part of that conversation that was missing from that scene that they forgot to put back into the episode. Um, and it was just one of those things is like, okay, he's he's going to agree never to do all of these things. And I guess you're right. I think it was in exchange for his life. Well, not even just his life because Bruce didn't seem to care about that. It was more over the life of people important to him a la Alfred. Alfred, yeah. Well, yeah, because there's even that scene afterwards when he's returned to uh, Wayne Manor when, you know, Alfred says to him, you you weren't the only one threatened. Right. You know, meaning they threatened Alfred as well, too, even though his name was never mentioned in that conversation. I guess it was more implied than anything else. Yeah. And that's my guess is that's all he was doing is, is I know they exist and I'm going to stay away from them in exchange to make sure that they don't hurt the people closest to me, which is my guess. But it felt like there was supposed to be something more there. And it felt like they were missing 
a main key component where him doing this was for the betterment of a few things. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so that left me kind of with an odd taste in my mouth by the end of that scene. I'm like, kind of like, you know, I would have done a little something more with these people, built them up as a little bit more nastier instead of, hey, they're going to try to to kill you and the people closest to you. I'm like, well, so is every other villain that Bruce has dealt with from the start and finish of all of this. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not implied. They generally try to kill them. Yeah. So exactly. what's going to stop Bruce or Alfred? Because they've shown they already don't care and can hold their own. Well, but I mean, so. it's even brought up too in that same conversation that Alfred mentions to Bruce, you know, who's to say they're going to keep their promise. And it's almost as if he's implying to Bruce, like you made a promise. You don't have to keep it. Yeah. And honestly, Immediately after that moment, I laughed because it wasn't that, but it was the breaking of glass in the den yet again. <laughs> this has got to be something I – oh, you know what? I did have – I started to tally for this last week. So did you? Okay. All right. Yeah, I know we were going to. Two, <laughs> episode number two, Bruce Wayne doppelganger breaks den window. So <laughs> I'm very curious where they're going with this. Um, um, actually, it was something that one of our listeners brought up. It was Shad that brought up, and I didn't even think about this was uh, – when we were saying is this a Tommy uh, Tommy Elliot kind of story, which is somebody we already saw in season two, I believe. But uh, the Thomas Wayne Jr. character that I, I completely forgot all about that was tied into the Court of Owls kind of stuff. Uh, is this maybe what they're what they're doing? Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. Um, it, it could be anything. It really. I, but that is a potential that this is Bruce's brother that was hinted at in the comics and stated on this person stated out who they were, but you never were hundred percent certain. They never really kind of followed that plot thread up in full. They kind of did kind of didn't. And it was one of those things that was still left to this character may exist, may not exist, or is this who they really say they are? So it's a way. Well, it, was Thomas Wayne an identical twin? Well, Thomas Wayne, Jr. Or Thomas Wayne Jr. That's what I meant. Uh, they never made it as a twin, but that could be where they're going with this, because I think this originally did come up in the original part in the beginnings of, you know, the Scott Snyder are, uh, run with Greg Capullo um, from the reboot and the New 52. So this very much could be Bruce's brother that was hinted at back then in the books because obviously this is where Court of Owls comes from is that same book. So kind of curious to see where this is going to go. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So. Okay. So, yeah, understandable. Um, another of other – there's a couple other things worth mentioning in the episode too. Obviously um, – very quickly, we got another scene with Barbara Keen, uh, <laughs> who is certifiably crazy. And I love her for it. Dude, I absolutely love her for it. And is it just me? This is me talking as a total single guy. Is it just me, or is it the crazier she gets, the hotter she gets? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's on that note, and she is certifiably, because there was that one moment, man, and it had me laughing out loud. Where she t- she stops Jim as he's leaving, and he says, "I had it." She's like, "I had a dream about you," and it's a total serious conversation. And she says, "You know, I, I had a dream. You were in a bad car accident, and you lost both your legs." And the whole time, I'm thinking, "I'm like, all right, what the hell's going on here?" And then she says, "And I I had to push you around in a baby carriage, dude." I busted out laughing. <laughs> it, it, she's so it was nuts. it was very very funny. Uh, it, it was like it was a great moment. Um, and the more and more they do work with her character, the more and more I just want to see more and more of her. And I'm getting to a point now, and I think that's what it was about this episode, is, you know, Penguin, you know, he was in the background of a lot of this episode, with the exception of the stuff midway through, where it was him, again, trying to find fish. 
But the story with him uh, and what he's doing and the stuff they've done with Butch so far and the stuff that they've done with Barbara and Tabitha, that's the story I want to see right now. Yes. And right now I'm still not all super invested in what's happening with Jim uh, or Bullock right now. I want them to find a way to make those characters important and interesting. I'm not sure I'm still liking this direction of alcoholic Jim Gordon still as being a bounty hunter. Um, so it's it's this big wait and see. But we did kind of see that still that version of Bullock we saw at the end of season two where he's kind of has that captain reign almost. We're seeing a very strong assertive bulk still, and I hope they keep up with that. But, uh, you know, quickly that's dashed away when Fish takes over his mind and he's now back to bumbling Bullock, kind of. Yeah. So um, it makes me wonder, too, because I know in in Batman Returns, um, you know, with Penguin, they did a whole storyline with Penguin running for mayor. I'm wondering, do you think maybe that could be somewhere they're going with this, with him, like, leading the public and, like, being the face of the public now about catching these criminals and, and things like that? you think that could be something they might possibly explore with him? It's very possible. I'm not quite sure exactly where they're going to go yet, but I think it's going to be more him reasserting his control of the city. And I think this is the way when you think of, like, season one. Uh, Carmine Falcone was a mob boss, but he also kind of came off as, like, the philanthropist. That is the businessman that's there to make sure Gotham, you know, is the Gotham it should be, but by doing it through mob control. And I think it's him taking on that role again. We do know the Falcone family is very prevalent again in this season. We have yet to see them back. We know we're going to deal with Carmine and his two sons, one of which is in a romantic relationship with Lee. We do know that much already, too, as far as when we talked about a couple weeks ago, as far as news was concerned, going into this season. So I think it's you're going to see... The Falcone sons and Penguin being the ones going at it in control of the city as far as the mob where he's kind of becoming back to who he was by the end of season one and the beginning and front half of season two before he got locked up. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. Um, I guess one other thing left to talk about with this episode, unless there's anything else after I mention this. Uh, but speaking of hot, um, we see Ivy. Uh, you know, a more adult version of Ivy, which we had talked about this last week. We had a feeling that was what was going to lead to it was, you know, the touch of this creation from Hugo Strange mixed with her being flushed out to sea. We now see her washed up, not to sea, but to the river. Uh, we now see her washed up on shore. She's more adult. Um, and Maggie Gaya, I guess, man, she does the role. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of her yet, but she portrays the part really well. She does. At least and what, so far. And, it, and what, it's funny because Adam had mentioned, too, he's like, well, it's too bad she doesn't have a soul just because she's a redhead. <laughs> I don't agree with that, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's, I'm kind of curious because there's been some contradicting things that have been out there about her character. And this was coming from Gotham showrunners is they were saying she's not going to be as much the femme fatale character and she's going to be playing kind of a sisterly role to Bruce uh, this season. And that's not what I got from this intro, uh, introduction of the no, not at Ivy all. at all. So I'm wondering if it's because it, it it was hard to imply if she did indeed just kill the dude or just cracked him over the skull and walked away. But it was very much the femme fatale version of Poison Ivy without obviously without the powers. So I'm very curious to see where they're going with things. But I have a feeling on my prediction this season is we probably will see her step away from that, reconnect with Selena, reconnect with Bruce. Probably she'll be staying in the manor alongside Bruce. Uh, he'll kind of make sure everything's fine. She'll kind of calm down quite a bit. 
Um, and then I think before the end of season's out, we'll see her get her power somehow. Maybe that's when Hugo Strange comes back into the mix when they find a way to make sure that his creations don't end up dying from the process. And yeah. I think that's when we'll see Fish return and Hugo return and they'll be able to, to impact them some way, shape, and form. Yeah. But, I mean, you mentioned, you know, some contradictions to her character. I think there was one pretty big glaring one just in this episode alone. Maybe you didn't catch it. Um, but, I mean, the, the, she goes through the whole story about, like, how she's mad at this gentleman who's helped her because he's not taking care of plants. And then she he tosses one in the trash, and that's what really sets her off. But yet she ends up killing the guy with a plant. Right. Like, leaving the plant behind on the floor to die, you know, because yeah. it's not in a pot anymore. Like, that that's kind of against her character. You just started bit, yeah. this whole story because he's not taking care of the plants. So you use one to kill him and then leave it to die. Right. Like, I, I didn't get that. I can so, see her, like, you know, cracking him over the head and then picking up the plant and repotting it. You know, something like that would have been more to her character. But, you know, again, it's it's a very truncated version. I mean of all of this we got only maybe i would say six seven minutes of her total in this episode so i'm curious to see where they're going to go with this um and i'm really curious to see what they're going to do now with penguin now that he feels like he's uh dealt with the problem with fish like he is able to look past everything yeah yeah i am too yeah it's it's definitely like you know like i had mentioned earlier uh you know drew had let us know that you know the next four episodes are going to be pretty cool so i'm hoping um, you know, I think this episode took a little bit of a step down compared to the the uh, the premiere of the third season. Um, but I, I'm hoping, you know, it's going to find its step back up in the third and, and keep finding those steps, even if they're just gradual. Uh, yeah. You know, as long as you're keeping increasing the pace a little bit and, and keeping things going, I'm fine with it. Right. And I mean, like I said, I don't know if you saw it, but the the promo for episode three looks very interesting. I'm very excited to see what they do with Mad Hatter. Um, he looks very unique and interesting, uh, and I, I'm really excited to see where they go. This is the time where we're going to start getting our Villain of the Week episodes. Usually it's after the introduction of the season. The plot threads of the season are introduced, and now we can get into some of the, the Monster of the Week episodes that we normally see out of the show. And uh, I think this is where we're going to start to see that starting to roll is right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the next couple episodes Mad Hatter for two episodes. Then maybe we're going to get into the Solomon Grundy character that we saw a couple shots of, which looked like that the albino guy that we saw uh, probably introduced right around now as well. And then uh, hopefully we're not too far away from seeing Corey Michael Smith. And then obviously we'll definitely be seeing more and more of what Alfred and Bruce tend to do with uh, the Court of Owls. With the Court of Owls, yeah. yeah. How long do, you, do we think... Barnes is going to last through this season. Uh, I, I, my guess is he's going to die at midseason. Okay, yeah, that I, makes my, sense. My guess is Michael Chiklis will die by midseason, uh, which will be Bruce or not Bruce, but um, Gordon coming back to the police force um, and maybe being the one that's there when Barnes dies and uh, is the one that it comes back to the force and is maybe the one that actually is promoted to captain. Okay, makes sense. So. Uh, cool. So we got through that pretty painlessly and pretty quickly. Uh, so let's start that gear rolling towards wrapping up the episode. But before we do that, of course, we're going to hit DC Essentials, in which we give you the news from the week, as well as our recommendations for stuff that we want you to check out in between. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, we have to recap or at least remind you about our ongoing contest, which is uh, I think we're only about two weeks out at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not even. It's a week. It's October a week. 9th 
It's this Friday. Uh, if so, you got a lot of work to do in a week. Uh, but if you get us to 200 likes on Facebook, facebook.com slash DC primetime, uh, somebody, we will do a giveaway to, uh, win, um, the complete season or the complete series of Constantine on DVD, Blu-ray or digital download. And if you get us to 250 likes, which isn't looking very, uh, like it's happening very much right now uh by that same time as well october 9th uh we will sweeten the pot by giving you uh batman telltale the complete uh all episodes complete the complete series on ps4 ps3 xbox 360 xbox one or steam whichever one um whichever one you use so yep. dc prime facebook.com slash dc prime time share the page get us some extra likes and if we get to 200 by friday or by next i think it's sunday actually yes yeah, next, next next sunday uh you could possibly be a winner so that'd yeah. be pretty cool we want to give this away so it's not like if so we, even if this doesn't happen you know like i said it's not a big push for us to get likes it was just a more or less uh we just want to make sure we're driving more of the listening audience to the page just to be able to get involved before the season start. That's yeah. more or less it is. It's a, exactly. It's not like a shameless self promotion where we're just trying to get more likes. Like we just want to increase our interaction with our listeners. So it's and like just exactly as you said. It's that's what it is. Yeah. And it's not like if we don't get to 200 likes, we're going to be thrilled that we don't have to you know make a purchase to give it away. No, we we'd love to do that. You know, if it makes our listeners happy. So that's that's not a big deal at all. So. 200 likes. Let's get there, and let's give this away, man. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Totally. All right. So we're going to dive into the news, and I apologize. Stuff is all over the place again this week. It's been a busy weekend. So <laughs> uh, so we're just going to kick through a couple things, and I'll leave the big one for the end here. But to start off, we got the first shots of the full JSA, which is going to appear in Episode 2 of Legends of Tomorrow. So we did see your first shots of our man, Dr. Midnight. Obsidian, uh, Commander Steel, and Stargirl. So all the shots looked really fantastic. I love the look. It looks like the first two episodes. We're going to be dealing probably very heavily with the 1940s, as we mentioned before, as far as New York is concerned. But the fact that we already have gotten shots of all the JSA members looks absolutely stellar. And yes. uh, that was something that was kind of cool is they did mention, I think Lance Hendrickson did come out and talk a little bit about Obsidian's character. And for most of you that are out in the comic book world know that Obsidian is the son of Alan Scott, the original Golden Age Green Lantern. And they did say that will fully be addressed in the show, which nice. is kind of cool. You know, I find it kind of weird that we haven't even gotten a trailer yet for Legends. Uh, I think there was there was one, but it was something small. Uh, there was a lot of sequences we did get to see. This was a couple weeks back, but it was didn't have the same impact that we did see with things like the Flash one, Arrow. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, we've Supergirl. gotten, like, two or three promos each out of those shows, including Supergirl, and, but we haven't gotten anything out of maybe that one quick one on the Legends. We haven't gotten much yet. Yeah, we had the we had the quick one that did show some of the JSA members the first time. We did see Stargirl really quick in an action shot. Um, we did see a big focus with our man in there, uh, and uh, that was about it. So, But it wasn't to the same height that we did see with the other shows so yeah. far. So. Um, jumping over real quick, actually specifically to Stephen Amell's Twitter, because there was two moments on there from this past week. One was something that Ben posted, which was a shot over in British Columbia, which was for right around the time that the second one hit as well, which is a shot of Stephen Amell sitting on a park bench. <laughs> with Deathstroke. With Deathstroke. And somebody mentioned real quick, so we're going back to 2046. My guess is no. No, yeah, I think that's a modern-day Deathstroke. I think we're seeing Deathstroke come back. And we did report a couple of weeks back that they did say 
not to count out a return of Manuel Bennett, and this happens a week later. So my guess is we are going to see something with him fairly soon. And right around the same time, we did see a quick shot of Supergirl and Arrow looking out into the cityscape. Um, also, that was up on Amel's Twitter. And apparently that was during the 100th episode filming yeah. for Arrow. So my guess is maybe Deathstroke does return on episode 100, as well as maybe some uh, crossovers with some other characters. So so we might be getting multiple crossovers. I mean, we already knew we were getting at least two. Yeah, um, I, I mean, mean, they may not be full-on four-part crossovers, but multiple crossovers between shows, even if it's like Arrow and Supergirl or Arrow and Flash or Flash and Supergirl, dude, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more small crossovers. I mean, think about Flash Season 1. Uh, we got to see Arrow appear in the last uh, second to last episode of that season. So there's going to be, I think, a couple moments where you're going to see some guest starring roles and appearances because they're all shooting in the same city. It makes it a little easier for them to be able to do that. So yes. um, beyond that, too, we got a full new season two trailer for Supergirl where we got to see some great interaction between Superman and Supergirl, which has been phenomenal. We did get to see a clip of that the other week, but now more in the context of the entirety of season two and everything is looking absolutely amazing i'm so excited to see these characters interact together and it is just wonderfully exciting to see supergirl's reactions to being able to be alongside kal-el and uh i think it's something to be really really hyped for ah dude i can't wait man i'm so stoked Mm -hmm. uh going over the flash news real quick jay garrick and barry will indeed be teaming up yet again which is something a lot of us are very excited for, very uh, <laughs> specifically episode two. Um, I think my exact reaction on Facebook was, holy shit, holy shit, ho- and multiple holy shits. <laughs> because I do, I love Jay Garrick so much, I cannot wait. And especially the John Wesley ship one specifically. Yes. This is not going back to uh, the earlier time point in season two when we're still dealing with Zoom. Uh, so this is indeed... Getting to see these characters deal it, working together. But the cool thing is, again, this is episode two of the season. So it makes us wonder a little bit more on what Jay's involvement is, very specifically with this timeline now. So I'm really curious to see how all this plays out. Does this mean Flashpoint is really wrapped up uh, at this point? Because this episode title is Paradox. And uh, one of the things we did find out a little bit more as well, as far as Flash is concerned, is Tom Felton's appearance in the show. Uh, And we do now know officially that his character, uh, which is, I forget the character's actual name in the show. I think I have it up. Give me one half a second here. Um, But his character, that uh, his name is Julian Dorn, who is playing a fellow CSI tech in the same lab with Barry. And his appearance is a direct result of Flashpoint, which has been officially confirmed by the showrunners. So Barry's definitely not going to have the lab to himself. But the fact that he appears out of nowhere makes you wonder potentially who he is. Obviously, with Tom Felton playing Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter series, well, a lot of us are wondering if he's just going to be a normal guy. Or maybe he potentially is, my guess is, potentially Dr. Alchemy. I think that could be very potential. Okay. So my uh, my thought process so far, if that's indeed who he is, but only time will tell. Um Going into some more interesting things, uh, one of the things we've been waiting for since midway through last season of Arrow, Diggle's been promised a new helmet. If you look over on our Facebook page, I did just post an article right before we uh, started recording of the first shots of Diggle in his new actual helmet. Not a big change, but at least I think it's a a change for the better. 
but still kind of lackluster. So we at least know it's finally coming, which is kind of cool to see. Yes. And because we're talking Arrow, I also have to say happy 75th anniversary to the character of Green Arrow, which has celebrated that anniversary this past week. Uh, now, talking about the shows as a whole, we did finally find out the actual villains, and I mean that as villains, not villain, for our four-part crossover. And it's not something I think either me or Ben or most of the viewing audience expected, but it will be that of the Dominators. And if you have seen this article already, even if you never read this, I guarantee you have seen shots of the, these villains in the past. These yellow aliens with these kind of long, elongated teeth and the little red dots directly in the center of their heads. Um, a very iconic imagery from a, I believe it was 1988-89 uh, event entitled Invasion that happened throughout DC. So it seems like we are going to be dealing with these characters and their main premise of Invasion originally in the past was, trying to remember exactly what the full plot thread of that was, but uh, a alien race noticing the abundance of metahumans that are becoming uh, increasingly prominent in Earth and them feeling they needed to do something about it and kind of quell the uh, the ongoing continuation of them. So the question is if these Dominators are indeed going to be aliens or are they going to maybe do something a little bit different on the show? Nobody quite knows, but my guess is this is going to be an alien invasion kind of storyline. That's what I'm thinking, and I think that's what I read as well, too. But it makes me realize, too, I think we talked about this a little bit last week or the week before. Uh, you know, we had mentioned John Barrowman and his four-part contract and everything, and you, I remember you bringing up the fact that, uh, you know, the four-part could be, just be, you know... in or his contract expanding to all four of these shows could just be because of the four-part crossover. But now that we know that these aliens are the villain and not the, you know, the, the Fearsome Four or whatever we're called, the Legion of Doom, it makes now me, and now makes me wonder even more what Barrowman's role will be in Supergirl and in Legends and in all these other shows. Because it apparently does not have anything to do with the crossover. Yeah. I mean, and if memory serves correctly with the original Invasion storyline, there was a lot of ties to the Legion, uh, Legion of Superheroes. And if this is indeed works, this does tie in very well with our universe. We did see in Supergirl Season 1, when they did go to the Fortress of Solitude, we did see a Legion flight ring in the Fortress of Solitude that Kara comes across. So this could very well be tied very much to events that Superman was involved in. So I'm kind of curious. mon has got some time with the Legion of Superheroes as well. So we obviously know Superman at one point in time in Supergirl continuity has worked alongside the Legion of Superheroes. So there's our tie to mon and maybe that's our big tie to the Dominators. Yeah. So, so it makes a lot of sense for this stuff to be here. And I think it's a, it's a really bra- like just like brave idea to do for this crossover. Uh, you're taking characters that have only dealt with metas and a little bit of magic, and now we're going to say, boom, right up off the bat outside the Supergirl world. Here's a straight-up world of aliens. So I think this could be pretty awesome to see. Oh, I'm in complete agreement. I'm. It doesn't change my opinion that I'm just completely, totally excited for, not just for this four-part crossover. I mean, the four-part crossover is going to be amazing. But, like, just these shows that come back in general. Like, I mean, it, we've heard so much news and so much awesome news about these shows. I mean, one of the advanced reviews that we read on Supergirl is that it's one of honestly one of the best hours of television period yeah it's a I mean, high I... expectation to live up to but just hearing that man i get so excited for supergirl to come back oh i do too i, I think honestly what it wasn't even just this news but what came two days later was what something that cw did 
which is they did a promo last year when the show started coming together, which was the Superhero Fight Club. I was going to mention this if you didn't. And we got Superhero Fight Club 2.0 in, uh, inviting Kara into the mix. And we got a nice little feature that was about little like what, seven, six, seven minutes. Yeah, something like that might not have even been that long. Might have only been like five. But I mean, but, oh, so good. <laughs> it's I mean, it's not as action packed as the first one was. But it doesn't matter to me that there's not as much action. It's just, it's seeing these characters, all of these characters interacting with each other. Everybody from, you know, Supergirl and Flash and Arrow to, you know, Adam and White Canary and Firestorm and Martian Manhunter Felicity and... um, Cisco, I mean... And Cisco and Diggle, like... All of these characters interacting with each other, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They could be sitting at a table eating shawarma. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and it would be the, awesome. The best was just was Martian Manhunter coming in and making his transformation and Diggle dropping his hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. Between that and Cisco singing Welcome to the Jungle was just all kinds of wonderful. Yes. But it was a very fun short. It made me smile and made me more excited about these, this season than I actually even thought I already was. I was already hyped, and that was just like, I am so excited to see all these characters interacting together. And if you haven't um, seen Superhero Fight Club 2.0, it is posted on our on our Facebook page. Uh, uh, and if it's not, if that link is no longer working, I know there's been a lot of copyright strikes against that. No, that was an, I think that was an actual CW link. Okay. So that, I think I it should say, be safe. So if you don't find it there, you can always go over to the CW app, and it's posted specifically for the CW app or on CW's website. So I'm definitely actually, check that out. I'm it's actually searching fun. as we speak to see if it is still available. And uh, uh, jumping, uh, as Ben's checking on that, we'll jump over to the movie universe real quick and hit a couple of fast points. But one of the things we did report on in our news stories in this past week uh, on Facebook was it seems like the Batman film is not as far out of, uh, far away as we thought. It sounds like the movie's about a year and a half away, which is something to be incredibly excited about. Uh, in addition to that right now, we also got a quick shot of Zack Snyder, I believe, off of his Twitter saying that, um, you know, he was doing some, I think, post work at, for the Justice League film. And somebody was awesome enough to zoom in on the tablet he was working on, which had storyboards, which did indeed show what looked like Batman squaring off with Deathstroke. So it looks like maybe Deathstroke is not purely just going to be the main, one of the main villains of the Batman, but indeed making an appearance in JLA. So I'm very curious to see what will indeed happen with that. So it's a fingers crossed, but I think that would be amazing to be able to see his character make his first appearance there. Um, And then additionally, we saw another little moment from Twitter, this specifically with uh, Flash director Rick Famuyiwa, which is showing off the front page of the script for The Flash, surrounded by the bottom half of a Funko Pop flash, and somebody did spot there was another Funko Pop sitting next to it. You just saw one of the feet, which indeed turned out to be Cyborg. So it looks like we do have official confirmation now that Cyborg will have some direct involvement in the flash, as we originally reported on the rumor several weeks back. So, And that kind of wraps up news for us this week. Okay. Uh, I can confirm that it is no longer on our page. I guess whoever had it had taken it down. So, yeah, just check over, uh, check at uh, the CW's website or simply just check out the CW app. Uh, And actually, you know what? Last but not least, this is a reminder to everybody that the CW is no longer streaming on Hulu. The only way to be able to watch these shows, if you're a cord cutter like myself, is now through the CW app, which is available on Apple. Android, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and PC and Mac. 
So unfortunately for PlayStation users out there, sorry guys, there's no way for that. I think right now Microsoft has exclusivity on the app feature, and I think that's running for, I think they said roughly a year. Um, that is, I think, um, so maybe by mid-season, because they already had that on 360 and Xbox One for quite some time now. We did see this recently with things like uh, Game of Thrones having the HBO Now app, not HBO Go, now finally available to PlayStation, which uh, started, I think, this weekend specifically for Westworld, um, getting ready to kick off. So well, hopefully H- soon. Oh, HBO Now, not HBO Go. Right. Okay, because I was going to say, I have HBO Now. Yeah, HBO Go or, has I mean, been I have available HBO on... Go. HBO Go has been available on the platform, but HBO Now is a subscription service where you don't need to have cable at all. You can just do a direct kind of thing similar to Netflix and Hulu. But unfortunately, again, like I said, the CW app will not be available for the PlayStation family of systems for quite some time yet. Just do again to an exclusive contract with Microsoft that they have. Yeah. So, but again, you can easily check it out. It works on Chromecast. So there's different ways if you to be able to watch still. And uh, so don't, don't be too afraid. (laughs) There's ways to watch your shows still. Yes. And if you are still playing catch up on previous episodes as well, uh, Netflix will be adding the previous seasons of Flash, uh, Supergirl, and Arrow uh, the day that the seasons premiere. So this coming Tuesday, October 4th. Yeah, uh, Supergirl is already available. And then, yeah, October 4th is uh, Flash Season 2. Yeah, it's Flash Season 2. And then October 5th is Arrow Season 4. Yes. And then Legends will be going up as a full season next Thursday, yes. I believe. Yeah. And uh, actually, it's something kind of fun because we did talk about the episode a couple weeks back when we did our Silver Age Spectacular when we couldn't find a place to stream any of Smallville. Well, Smallville now, as of today, is now 100% fully up all 10 seasons on Hulu. If you're looking to you know, play some catch-up, if you heard that episode and never watched, but you want to check it out. So I don't, you know, I'm going to probably definitely be doing it. I was going to say, so. I do recommend it because I'm a big fan of Smallville, and I still, I still like it to this day. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess our recommendations, and yeah. we're going to get the hell out of here. Yeah, let's make some recommendations, and then we can do some cheap plugs and get going. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, mine very simply is what we just talked about in the news, which is indeed DC Invasion, um, which I, like I said, did mention, did I believe come out in 88, um, ran to 88 through 89. Primarily, I think it was just three issues, this Invasion number one, number two, and number three. They're all 80-page giant issues. I'm sure you can just dig that up on Comixology, but that way you can prepare a little bit for what's coming mid-season when we have our big crossover. So, uh, Mine is pretty simple as well as we've talked about before. I am in the process of reading as much of Rebirth as I can. There's been a couple titles I've already dropped because I just haven't been crazy. Not only just about the story, but some of them I just haven't been crazy about the artwork. So I, I kind of dropped them out. Um, and there's been a couple casualties. Deathstroke has been a casualty. Unfortunately, as much as I love the character, Hellblazer has been a casualty just because I haven't liked the artwork that's come out of it. Uh, but my recommendation for this week is one that just released this past Wednesday, uh, and that is the Teen Titans Rebirth, number one. Uh, this is one I've actually been waiting for for a while, and it did not disappoint me whatsoever. I, I very much enjoyed reading it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with the series. Very cool. So... Uh, but cheap plugs before we get out of here, obviously, uh, again, I am Ben. I can be found on the Next Level uh, Showcast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network, or you can reach me, Ben, at nextlevelradioonline.com, on Twitter, at NXT Level Radio, and, of course, through our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline and facebook.com slash DC Primetime, which is the one for this show. 
Yes, and you can always find me over at the Caffeine Crew. And as a quick reminder to everybody, uh, Ben's link is up there on our, our uh, Facebook page as well. This is for Extra Life, which is coming up on November 5th, which is our 24-hour video game marathon that we play for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, for us specifically, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So if you get a chance, head over to the Facebook page, and if you get a second, either share out that link for his donation portal. Uh, Mine's up on Extra Life. If you just search my name, you'll find me as a player. And, uh, yeah, uh, we really look forward to the support. And always a big special thanks to George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him each and every week for our intro and outro music. Yes. Uh, and lastly, one more thing. As I had mentioned earlier, I was at Walker Stalker Con this past weekend. I got to speak with Drew Powell, Robin Lord Taylor, as well as a number of other people from the shows. Uh, the panel that I had done, I moderated this weekend, today, earlier today actually, was with Michael Rooker from The Walking Dead. If anybody is interested in that, uh, post on the Facebook page because I, I'm actually going to be getting – high quality video and audio of the actual panel from the AV crew that was there that did it. Uh, so once I have that, if enough people are interested, I will paste the link on the Facebook page for people to check out. Yep. And if you're not familiar as much with walking dead, but comics specifically, you'll obviously remember him as Yondu from guardians of the galaxy. And he's done a number of voiceover work for some DC cartoons as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely tied into multiple universes, yeah. walking dead, DC and Marvel. So, I mean, if you know who Michael Rooker is, trust me, so. Indeed. Uh, but let's get out of here uh, next week on DC Primetime. Man, oh man, I can't wait. Uh, Gotham Season 3, Episode 3, The Flash Season 3, Episode 1, and Arrow Season 5, Episode 1. Premieres of both of those shows, man, it's going to be pretty epic. I can't wait. I am very excited. And then just a week after that, man, we are at full strength. Yes, we are. So it's it's kind of be- feeling like, like you know, next week we're going on the power play. Yeah. And the week after that. We're back to full strength. Nice nice hockey reference. I appreciate it. You know, every once in a while. Once in a while. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a fan. Please continue to interact with us on Facebook. But until next week, we will see you guys around the band. Take care. Peace.